0: <clears throat> Why we get Sh Hello and welcome back to Why We Get Swasty. This is episode four. I'm here with Ronan. Hello, how you doing? And Fergus.
1: How do you do, do you, party people?
0: How are we doing? You guys all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um,
2: I, well, I suppose, like last week, I'm just going to open with the fact that I've been listening to the music you suggested. Oh, yeah? uh, I've been listening to City Pop.
0: Oh, yeah, how's it going?
2: Oh, it's so good. It's just, it's just so much fun. It's, it's really so happy. So
0: it's so good. <laughs> I love
2: it. love it. Well, actually, what, what keeps happening? is that uh, we come up to the next recording session and I think about the previous week and I realise I haven't at all paid attention to the things you've both recommended <laughs> and gone, oh no, I I meant, I meant to do all of that um, and don't have time to watch a, sh- a show but then end up being really happy that Felipe suggested some music and I just put that on all, on all day while I go about my business and then I come in going, oh, that was so good.
0: Did, I should have been did, doing that all week. <laughs> did you put like a playlist on or something?
2: Yeah, I just found a city pop playlist on Spotify. Um, I can't remember any names of the songs because I just like put it on play and then let it play through. Um, yeah. But there were some, there were some great ones there.
1: So good. I was oh, uh, I I listened to um, Sportsmen on repeat for oh, like three sportsmen. days after. Ronan <laughs> talked about it last week because it's oh, it's so good yeah, I tried I, to it, find out when I hear that it.
2: it instantly became my favourite song in the world
1: it's just so, so good it's, it's sportsmen oh, um, you said sportsman which is what it says in the song oh yeah. um, like that. Like <laughs> in the song he says I'll be a sportsman but he's talking right. about sportsmen <laughs> plural okay
0: <laughs> okay I'll, I'll look for it again
1: yeah it's yeah, by, uh, Haru- so good
2: Harumi Hosona
1: cool it just—it's the kind of song that made me want to, and I—I I was never really big into karaoke, but it made me want to just sing it at karaoke, you know. <laughs> uh,
0: there when, are those songs that are just perfect, you know. You can feel like, like everyone. I, I, there was this. Um, apparently, it closed down during the pandemic, which is sad. Uh, there's a place in South London called Canavans, which um, had a really great karaoke kind of setup because. It has your standard karaoke-like screen where you have the lyrics, right? But it also had a second screen so that everyone else could see the lyrics um, and sing along with you because a lot of the time you can't see the lyrics as well.
2: Mm.
0: And the second thing about it was that um, in a regular k- karaoke thing or a pub or whatever, you, you might be elevated on a stage and you might feel a bit too like you're doing like a performance. It might be a bit too much for people. At this place, it was all on the dance floor. You were, you know, you were separated a little bit from everyone else, because, so that you had a bit of room. But everyone else is on the dance floor at the same level as you, dancing along to you. And because they're dancing um, and singing, like screaming, half of them you you can't even hear yourself. So it's like it's just like a singing at a big party with everyone. Yeah, it's so much better because karaoke it's so much fun but it's also just so awkward it can be so when when everyone's not into it it's just a a quiet pub and your mates are in the corner and you're singing you know billy i don't know billy joel or something (laughs) and and then and then it finishes and then you just hear like like faint claps but this was like there's a dj next to you it's the dj that's playing the music everyone's dancing It, it feels like a club that's great, and I guess because everyone's dancing, their eyes aren't all on you. Exactly,
2: so all the pressure's off. Exactly.
1: I quite like the the way they um, like when I lived in China. There was this um, this like chain, I guess, of karaoke places called KTV. I think it was called where it was just like the classic thing of like it's not like a bar where there's like one stage and everyone's doing karaoke. It's like everyone you basically book out a room. Oh, right. For yeah. you and your friends, which I think is another great way to do it. But um, I think the... What was the name of the place you, you were just talking about, Felipe? It's called Canavans. Canavans. I think that sounds like a better way to do it because... Um, I don't know. I just have horrible memories of really drunkenly at my high school graduation trying to get everyone roused with a, a rendition of a of American Pie by Donald <laughs> And just no one was into it. So it was horrible. <laughs> like, oh, it was...
2: And I, that's such a long song as well. It's so, it hey, about so guard, long. About, about
1: <laughs> a minute into it, I was like, I've made a mistake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's six minutes left of this song. Oh, six no. minutes
1: left of this song. And I also don't know the words, really. Why Why did I decide <laughs> to do this?
2: <laughs> I remember uh, Felipe, uh, we once did karaoke together and you were singing uh, Getting Jiggy With It. And I, yes, I just for whatever reason at that point in my life had never heard the song. Getting jiggy with it,
0: really? Um, yeah, those come up with me. Then <laughs> you went.
2: I think you just went, Oh, it's fine. Like there's just there's just like a little bit of background stuff I need you to do.
0: Oh yeah, it's the na 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 na
2: na 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 except like I didn't know that. So on the screen it just said na 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 na. It's like what are you running? I was like, na 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 one one of my friends, she and her group of friends were once going to do karaoke for one of their birthdays. And they went to the one place in town they could find. And and, and it, they went there and they folded out on Google Maps and they weren't sure they were in the right place. And they end up in a, quite, a, quite, a, quite a weird, run-down part of town, not the kind of place that you'd expect there to be a karaoke bar. And it led them to this seemingly abandoned building and they were looking around outside. it Like, no, but it says it's open. It's got it's got recent reviews. Uh, Google says it should be open now. But this is just like an absolutely abandoned building. But there was like a side door, and the guy emerged from the side door. He's like, "What do you nice. want?" And, like, uh, <laughs> uh, and it was like a group of ten word? girls in like clubbing outfits just standing outside this abandoned building. And he's like, "Ah, uh, what do you want?" Um, oh, oh, uh, wait, wait, wait for karaoke ah, come on in. And they're like, oh, God, we're going to die. And I, th- I think at that point, a few of them were just like, I'm not going in, I'm going home. Hey. But uh, I think one of them was just like, nah, fuck it, let's go. Uh, went inside and they were led in, just basically through this abandoned bar or abandoned, I don't even know what it was, um, but it wasn't, you know, the kind of place we do karaoke. And then led them downstairs into this batem- basement and they're all like, okay, we're going to die here. <laughs> And then into a back room where they had a little bar set up and a karaoke machine, and there was no one else there. And they was just like, yeah, here you go. It's all yours. And they had a great night, Uh, but just on such shaky ground.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we go to our main topic. Uh, Our main topic today is a subreddit r slash hobby drama and fergus has a an
1: article well is it an article would you describe it an article i'd say it's um more of a write-up write-up of, a write-up less, of less some formal some drama that yeah. occurred in um uh, this is similar to last week it's about a fandom so it's not really a hobby um but it's more of fandom drama i suppose um no, right. i'm not going to say what it is immediately but i will say what it concerns and then pose mm-hmm. a question to the both of you. So, this is about a debate in a popular fandom, uh, the title of which is looms, as in looming. You know, like fruit of the like Loom. weaving, weaving. Yeah, looms versus wombs, as wooms, in wombs, as in
2: as in wombs. Okay,
1: wombs from which children emerge. Um, mm-hmm. So, my question to you is: What do you think? this is from it's something based purely upon wombs versus looms purely upon that it's something i we've talked about a fair amount maybe not on the podcast but with each other what do you yeah what fandom do you think this emerged from Yeah. Hmm. wombs Wombs versus looms wombs versus looms
2: trying to Any think other I'm trying, clues I'm trying to go through the main ones
1: go um, on list them off
2: um okay so the 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 big three or four that jump into my head that would be relevant to us would be Star Wars Doctor Who Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter's another big one mm. um uh, but I don't think it's Star Wars because we discussed that on the podcast a lot. Um we did Harry Potter last week. Um it could
1: be could be Doctor Who. Ding ding ding. There we go. Okay. Yeah. W- 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 okay. Rooms versus looms.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I that, that that hasn't given me any anything. I didn't find that based on looms versus looms. That was purely a process of elimination. Uh what the hell could that be about?
1: So um Listeners of the podcast, we are all uh, fans of Doctor Who, or at least we were. Um, I haven't really <laughs> kept up with it since Peter Capaldi was in office. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I know I, I enjoyed it growing up. haven't really delved into much of it beyond the 2005, um, not reboot, but, you know, continuation. Uh, so I haven't watched much Classic Who, which this drama stems from. Ah. Oh,
2: interesting. Okay. okay.
1: Um. So, a bit of background. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Doctor Who is a sci-fi television program about an adventurer named The Doctor who travels through time and space. Uh, it's, I believe, like, the longest-running sci-fi show? I think uh,
2: so, yeah. On TV, yeah. It in mm-hmm.
1: 1963, uh, and it ran all the way through till 1989 when it was cancelled. Um, and then... Uh, A modern run began in 2005 and it's continued on till today. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, this particular drama, um, Wombs versus Looms, Uh, have either of you heard of something called The Virgin New Adventures of Doctor Who?
2: The Virgin New Adventures?
1: Yes, Virgin as in the company, not as in people who watch Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no to both. No, no. no. Okay. Um, so they were basically. Like, 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 I, I
2: thought. I thought this was justifying the wombs in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, finally, it's making sense. But but what?
1: Um, we're talking yeah, about no, Richard Branson. <laughs> Richard Br- Branson's Doctor Who fanfiction. Did, did he try and be
0: the Doctor or something? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't Instead be of a surprised. TARDIS it was like a virgin Atlantic plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richard Branson, massive virgin.
1: <laughs> uh, Richard, if you're listening, uh, we'd love to have you on the show um, yes. to talk about um, how much of a virgin you are. You um, touched me on the shoulder once. Did he really?
2: Yeah, he did. I didn't the- know who he was at the time, so I was like, who the fuck is this old man? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was eleven um and I walked past him and he like patted me on the shoulder and I was like what the get, get get away from here. Get out of here. What the fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair, I was on his island for some big special event. So it it, it was make, it did make sense that he was there and okay, it didn't no, make sense so that people were like- would- Know he who he was. Okay, but. fuck
1: this story. What what is this? <laughs> Tell me more about this. <laughs> Why were we <laughs> you on his island? Why were on his island? Why was he touching your shoulder? What, what, what <laughs> did he like happen? capture
0: you? Did he want to like like conserve you in in his jungle? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: <laughs> conserve me in his jungle.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh. Ronan um, Jennings, we are about to play the most dangerous game.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, billionaires, don't trust them.
1: And we're in the Virgin Islands uh, to take part in the Virgin New Adventures.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's actually why I was there. I I I was in the Virgin New Adventures. Um, I was the virgin
0: going off the New adventure. You <laughs> are the virgin sacrifice by Richard <laughs> yeah. Branson. That's yeah, Richard, Richard Branson wanted his new virgin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um his his fortune is just sustained by an annual virgin sacrifice <laughs> it's it's okay it's not quite as exciting as that uh in the virgin islands where i used to live uh they have a big annual windsurfing event uh where it's about a week long and each day there's a different race and because there's about 40 different islands in the virgin islands one of which is richard branson's island mm. uh And each day, it's a race from one island to another one, or around one island, or down a channel between two islands. And my brother was taking part in it, and uh, all the family and friends and whatnot followed in a fleet of boats. And each day, he'd stop on a different island. um, And Richard Branson, being being a sporty guy, was like, hey, yeah, you can make my island one of the stops. Um, I'm not sure why that's his voice. He's an old... British man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so one of the stops was well, his island, and so we all stopped there for lunch. Um, was it and- kind of like
0: um, when you got onto his island, or was it kind of like Temple Run, where you had to like run away from him? And- yeah, because
2: he, he released his three uh, giant ape creatures. Because um, when, <laughs> when we were stopping there for lunch, we misunderstood. We thought we'd be having lunch. Turns out we were the lunch.
0: hmm <laughs>
1: Actually, you have told me day. about this because um, you were the only one who made it off the island, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a shame. Um, I you used to have two brothers. On. Does this fall under slander? Like, I don't know. This, yeah, I mean, like what I, is this? Do we have to like issue? Like, do we have to state explicitly none of this really happened? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> do I guess we we, we do. Otherwise, you might you might come
0: for us. I think it would be um, easier for me to
1: just cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, back on to The Virgin New Adventures.
2: Yes. He touched me on the shoulder once and that was it. I'm sorry, Richard Branson, don't
1: sue us. There we this go. is parody. There we go. Parody. Um, okay, so The Virgin New Adventures um, were licensed pieces of Doctor Who media um, that aimed to continue the story that had been left off after the show was cancelled in 1989. Um, the series was renowned for pushing boundaries by exploring darker and more complicated themes. Um Done could be shown within the main television series, which aired on BBC One, um, including sex, death, and swearing. What? Uh, really? And the author of this post has proclaimed their shock at this last one uh, by doing the colon <coughs> lowercase O, uh, which is a shocked face. Um, uh, Wait, fuck! Fuck! Gallifrey. Me, was, it, was this a what? What uh, medium was this? Um, so they were books and audiobooks mainly, I believe. Okay. Um they were usually criticized for including sex, death and swearing because that's not entirely in the nature of what I mean, Doctor death, Who is, for. death is quite common in Doctor Who. <clears throat> it's true actually. When when we were rewatching all the when I was rewatching all the Christmas specials for There's a lot of um, death. Like our conversation a couple months ago, mm. yeah, they really it's just quite not dark. so
0: like, yeah, it's not so like Hollywood or it's not like that brutal or, yeah, it's it's like comic book death where oh yeah. no they're dead oh it's a bit sad and it's it's usually like the the bad guy
1: you know <laughs> yeah so, um yeah. so yeah like um a lot of these uh stories were written by people who'd go on to write for like the modern run of Doctor Who. Uh, Russell T. Davies wrote some of them. Uh, Mark Gattis mm. wrote a few of them. Stephen, Mo- Stephen Moffat has acknowledged the existence of them. Oh, um, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some some of them even uh, were kind of adapted almost into episodes of the show, like uh, Human Nature and The Family of Blood, those episodes oh, from like 2007. Oh, good episodes. Were originally... Um, some of my favorite, those. Yeah, the, those those are really good episodes um, but yeah, so there's like some debate whether or not they're Canon or not in Doctor Who um, lore right um, that's where the drama comes in
0: but why uh, why is that the why are people questioning that because there's still audio books now an audio series now that are just kind of like other stories that aren't on the you know in the TV show but they're Canon. I mean, because they're, they're still—I believe—they're still produced by the BBC. Was this
1: was this not a BBC production? This was BBC. Blah, blah, blah. This was BBC sanctioned, but it was um, licensed out to Virgin Books. Um, so I'm not okay. sure.
0: Well, I don't but, see why not.
2: From, but, I guess, if the know, content but, was darker, it's not something that people might want existing in the Doctor Who universe. So
1: that will. Um, get explained in this next little bit Ooh, okay. which is um subtitled the Cartmel master plan which i will struggle not to read as cartel um <laughs> the cartel's master plan for doctor who fan fiction. <laughs> yeah they're gonna uh, use the tardis for cocaine smuggling <laughs> <laughs> oh. um so yeah um a bit more context in the classic run of doctor who um the role now known as showrunner, so like who Chris Chibnall and Russell T. Davies and Stephen Moffat, those, those guys are, uh, was actually divided between two people. So there was the producer who was in charge of like the money and hiring directors, and there was the script editor who was in charge of commissioning the writers and the scripts and uh, editing all of these to fit the overall vision of the season. So during the last three seasons of the uh, of the classic run of the show, before it was cancelled, um the writer the, the script editor was a guy called andrew cartmel not cartel um mm-hmm. uh and uh i don't know he was kind of perceived he, he got a lot of praise because he picked up a lot of slack after what was generally perceived as a pretty terrible run uh during the sixth doctor's era uh, by fans um mm-hmm. So he, he kind of decided that the Doctor needed a bit more mystery because by that time the show had been running for like upwards of 20 years. Uh, there had been lots of lore added and explained and it kind of chipped away at that initial sense of mystery for the Doctor. Um, but a lot of his plans to like build up the sense of mystery again were shot down by the other producer. Um, so it only made its way into the actual show in, in little snippets and uh, offhand lines. But after the show was cancelled, The Virgin New Adventures offered him a chance to explore these concepts uh, and for his plan to be enacted with full force. <laughs> case in point, that makes it sound very sinister. It, it, it is quite sinister. Um, case in point, Lungbarrow.
0: Lungbarrow.
1: Lungbarrow, which is the final book in The Virgin New Adventures um, to feature the seventh Doctor. Um, and it effectively... Uh, i'm gonna read this directly the book um effectively ended the story both in the vnas and it ended the Cartmill master plan that he'd been working towards um and it holds a very decisive status within the doctor who community mostly down to three things looms the final reveal of the doctor's origins and canon the most important one that i'll focus on here is looms Looms, introduced earlier in the Virgin New Adventures, but extremely relevant during this particular story, Lungbarrow, are, in short, devices which enable time lords to procreate. Right. Ooh. Ah, hence versus wombs. Yes. So looms, ah. um, using looms, time lords were weaved out of existing genetic material to be born, loomed, um, fully grown, and... Um, However, they're born childlike and need to mature mentally. Um, people either loved this idea or absolutely hated it, and it, it so, kind of split so, the fandom in two. Does this does
0: it describe this weaving in any way? So I'm picturing some sort of like spider spiderweb.
1: Uh, it does not. It just kind of <laughs> it's there. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that was the 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 main kind of thing that sources this debate was was looms versus wombs, because it kind of, I don't know, contradicts some other canon in Doctor Who of Time Lords. Like, the Doctor has a granddaughter in season one, for example, in of the original classic series. It's like, how the fuck does that work if Time Lords are just created using looms? Um, so, yeah. What do we think? Looms um, versus looms. I like that. Looms. I really like that idea. I mean, it's crazy,
2: it's insane, uh, but it really reinforces the idea of Time Lords as these kind of insane, uh, ancient, unknowable, godlike beings. Which I, is, I think, when they're at their best. Because when when they're just a race of people who are kind of good at knowing about time and stuff, they're a bit boring because they're basically just immortal humans who have a fancy machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whenever you see the Doctor through anyone else's eyes and he is just this or she uh, is just basically this God who comes into their life, sweeps them off on this massive adventure and then usually disappears. Uh, that's definitely, for me, one of the highlights of Doctor Who. So them literally being created out of this like a magical process uh, grown fully formed, I really, really like that.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting too. Um, again, this is just like uh, coming down to something I think we've seen a lot of in hobby drama of just, I don't know, like people who are fans of things kind of on some level have to fundamentally hate the thing.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, this is what we were saying outside of the episodes. when we, uh, there was A few weeks ago before we started recording these podcasts, we were talking about the Doctor Who Christmas episodes. Mm. I mentioned that um well actually rona mentioned about how they're almost like some like a tradition in british culture these uh, these christmas episodes and then looking back we kind of look yeah we kind of realize our oh, most of them aren't that good and then looking back at, at a lot of doctor who episodes aren't that good so it's kind of <laughs> like i love yeah there's like a love it there's a love in it which has to be there but there's also this like this is this is not good and yeah it's 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 quite complicated i i don't know where i don't know how that um relationship sustains itself really i think it it did come to a point where not that i fell out of love with it but that i became disinterested in it because of the writing but um yeah. well i
2: i think this comes down to one of the main main concerns of hobby drama and what are the weird fascinating aspects of fandom as, as a thing. Uh, there's a, Oh God, what was it? I think it was an XKCD comic I read years and years ago. Uh, that was basically making fun of wine tasters saying, if you obsess about any single thing enough, you will be able to pick it apart and find things you love and things you hate about it. Um, using wine as the example, but then it suggested that if you were locked in a room for a year with 500 ide- almost identical pictures of Joe Biden smiling, mm. uh, you would come out of it kind of a curated master of this with really, really strong opinions on on the different ones, thinking like, oh God, this, is, mm. this, this one's awful. It's disgusting. Look at the slight wrinkle on his left cheek, but this one's perfect.
0: Ah. Where <laughs> yeah. to, That's to an average
2: person... I don't know it's just it's just it's just him smiling. What's what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Uh And mm-hmm. you kind of get that about about fandom stuff, like episodes of Doctor Who, where where to maybe the average person, it's yeah, whatever. It's like a it's a okay it's decent, sci-fi yeah. show. There are some pretty good episodes, some not great episodes. But if you are into it as much as some people are, and you find things that you absolutely love and obsess and make your life about, then there will be
0: things on the opposite end of the scale where it's just, you like just the word. despise them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And it's kind of um, like it's this thing. It's more than just when it's that fandom level. It's more than just you know a show that you watch. It's it's you know it's almost like your baby kind of thing, and and you have your own. Uh, opinions on what you know should happen almost mm, like you should yeah. be a to like and so when it doesn't go the way you expect or the way you want it or the way looking back is like, oh they should have done this they should have done that then it yeah then you kind of you am unpicking it way more and, than, and than so many people make person. their fandom
2: part of their identity mm and uh oh yeah I, I i have to admit i'm victim of this as well yeah. i think we all are to some degree or another but when you make it so much of your identity and then something comes out that you don't like then often people's reaction is to think it's some personal slander on them they can't reconcile the fact that this thing they love has something they don't like in it and so they take it out usually on the creators like we see this with star wars
0: every yeah every generation it's, it's funny because like if if someone was to tell me oh i hate doctor who is rubbish I'll defend it. But with people (laughs) Mm. who... When I'm talking to people who like Doctor Who, we're just ripping it to shreds. So it's it's kind of this weird dynamic, I suppose. Maybe because I know I don't have to defend it with people who know what it really is. Mm. And I have to kind of like almost keep it a secret. Like, come, come join our club. Don't worry about... The nonsense. Just come. It's it will be fun. <laughs> you know. And just FYI, I don't think doctor is shit. Um just putting that out there.
1: Yeah, no, this. definitely. It's it's a very treasured part of my childhood. I remember in I think middle school, um just having this exact thought of okay, I don't care if somebody insults me or you know is mean to me or is rude to me but if they talk shit about dr who i'm throwing hands <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know it it is something that for many years was very closely tied to my identity i think as like an international uh student in in a, a different country uh it was i remember when my dad told me when i was like 9 or however old, that we are moving to, to Venezuela from the UK, I thought, do they have Doctor Who there? And he said, oh, I don't think so. And I was pissed. <laughs> it, it, and then, by extension, it was just just like I was the Doctor Who kid at my school. It was just like I'd try and get as many people into Doctor Who as I could. Yes. And that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Doing the Lord's work. Yeah, just mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to share it. Um, I,
2: I do just love the idea of 11-year-old Fergus ready to fight... Over a <laughs> sci-fi show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I had that way. Uh, summer holidays in Colombia, like, you, you, Doctor Who would be shown on, like, some random channel that no one ever watches, but it would be in English. So, like, even if someone knew about it, they wouldn't even be able to understand it because, I mean, there there'll be subtitles, but it's just not, like, just not the same. I, I remember,
1: yeah, like, ob- objectively, the 2005-2006 the early modern Doctor Who episodes have, like, just by nature of their time and the budget and the fact that they were on TV and stuff have, like, pretty pretty naff special effects. Mm-hmm. But I remember yeah. watching it with people at the time uh, and and... Someone just starts talking shit of like, oh, that looks so stupid. Or that yeah, looks silly. It's just, just, just being like, fuck
0: you, it looks great. Like, oh, mm. <laughs> yeah, but deep down you're like, oh, this, this like, is actually not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, deep down you know they're right, but you don't want them to be right. No, you it, don't feels, want- it, it feels insulting to you as a person.
2: Yeah, cause on cause you're you, off the opposite end of the yeah. spectrum. Um, I have a very clear memory of sitting down watching Doctor Who in my living room and someone coming in, I think. I don't think it was one of my parents, I think it was like a family friend or an extended relative, poked their head in the room and went, "Who?" Oh, I don't remember Doctor Who being so scary and and left. I remember that so clearly because it was the season two episode school reunion and it was like the weird, awful looking bat creatures yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. flapping
0: down a corridor. I love <laughs> like that episode. That episode freaked me out as a kid. I get what you mean because... Uh presumably this person was older and they mm-hmm. were used to yeah. It's like what they yeah, said, it's, um it's funny looking back because that that episode visually does not hold up at all. <laughs> it's like it, like the old like classic Hollywood era, um like the horror movies or the special effects back then was like blowing them away or scaring them to death and we look back and, and and see what they watched and it's like what like what is this? You know what I mean? It's not scary at all. It's not. In-
1: yeah, hearing hearing my dad talk about like, oh yeah, I remember like when the Daleks came on TV, I'd hide behind the couch and stuff like that. And just like, first of all, the Daleks aren't scary now, and uh, back then, especially, they, like by our modern standards, they they don't look scary at all. Like my dad's. I, 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 been- yeah, I mean,
0: I would agree with you. They don't look scary, but I would argue the idea, the the intention. Behind what a Dalek is and what they do is scary. I think, yeah,
2: they were scary in two thousand five in series one, and they never got there again.
0: Yeah, they they really got that right. That I way. know those ships. Yeah, oh. Oh. so oh. good every time. So
1: good.
2: So back to the question: looms versus wombs. What's yeah, the looms answer, boys? Versus
1: uh, I'd say, who gives a fuck? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not the spirit of hobby drama, for guess. It's not very dramatic. Of you.
1: that's that's my main takeaway from almost all of these stories. Now, like I, I browsed, I browsed like five or six of them last night, trying to find a good one for today. And my my go to thinking on almost all of them was like, I oh, don't give a fuck.
0: <laughs> I, I, I like the looms. I think the looms adds to that to the mystery of the Time Lord. I, I think.
1: Yes, I I would say it's more inventive, at least, than Time Lords just like to fuck, too. (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, and I think it's a bit more inventive than just kind of, oh, these are just superhumans, you know, uh, as Ronan said. Um, And and I think this loom-weave thing can be explored and you you can... um, make it its own thing, its original thing, and make it unique to them or, you know, it's just an extra piece of, I don't want to say trivia, but, like, it's just an extra level of uh, who they are, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. Um, which is cool, you know. Shall we move on to our Wikipedia um, topic of the week? Blast (laughs) them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes punch
1: it chewy as we all know the universe was created in 1977 with the release of the first star wars film here's our wikipedia concept of the week
0: this one i i, I randomized it and then it came up with this, with this weird thing and um i was like no that's not interesting I randomized it again, and it came up with it again. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I, the I, same I, article. article. Yeah, but I, the article itself, I was like, this isn't interesting enough. So I clicked on the first blue link on that article that was recommended to me twice. And then, so that's what we have here. Um, it's called a, a a Charon or a Sharon. I, I really want to pronounce it as Sharon. It's C-H- <laughs> C H C H A R O N? I think just for comedic purposes, we should um, call it a Sharon. <laughs> and it, it's uh, what uh, Sharon. <laughs> oh, no. Sharons, related to, to the Karens, were a sentient uh, species with both humanoid and arachnoid features so essentially it's this weird human bug creature who looks kind of like a spider thing Uh, and it's this awful awful depiction of it on, on the page it's kind of with like goggles for eyes like green goggles one two three four five six
1: like hands This picture and the name and the quote at the top of the page just look like a shit post. (laughs) It is the great
0: paradox of existence that we must live so that all others die. (laughs) (laughs) Anonymous Sharon. Okay, I'm mistaken. They had four arms, two of which were extremely powerful and the other two, I guess, weren't. And four (laughs) legs, which made them very stable on their feet. Originally from a realm known as real space. <laughs> what? Which? <laughs> I've never heard of real space. Real space. I, I know a little bit about real space. Um,
2: oh, uh, not. Yes, yeah, so I would say real, real space is basically just space, like normal like, space, as opposed to hyperspace.
1: Oh, okay. That makes sense. Okay.
0: But
2: I'm it not sure why I need to specify that they live in
0: normal space. The Sharon moved to a cold, bleak planet out of their own ambition for some reason, known as located in other space. So they're from real space and then they move to other space. <laughs> yeah, I'm really loving the naming conventions here, really inventive. Uh, <laughs> Um, a pocket dimension made up of black holes beyond the known confines of the galaxy. Okay, that's pretty cool. All right, space. all right. Um, hmm. Let's see. Shortly after this, the discru- the destruction of the second Death Star, in four Aby, a splinter group of Sharon devoted to maintaining peace and setting up new communities, successfully constructed the new species' first hyperdrive and departed other space. With many, Sharon taking up positions as bioscientists.
1: Okay. Fucking Sharon. Mm. So
0: they, yeah, they, they, they were clever, clever little bugs. Oh. <laughs> Cle-
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the most patronizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you just mansplain Sharon? <laughs> <laughs> average height two
0: put, to 2.5 meters I, I wouldn't call them little oh no although oh, they're, they're that
2: big I didn't realize that okay clever <laughs> they, clever big not, bug they're like, bug sized <laughs> well I imagine they were I don't know I, I, I think ants. I'm I'm fundamentally scared of them which is why I need to patronize them <laughs> <laughs> which I think says something about society
1: This picture of the the Sharon warrior, again, just furthers this shitpost vibe I'm getting from the
0: Sharon had a large trailing abdomen capable of spinning strands of sticky webbing, like a spider, which could be organized into latticework structures that allowed Sharon to climb from place to place, like a spider. They could shoot webs several times a day, the stronger the individual Sharon, the more times it could spin. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't, it a Sharon, isn't it a Sharon that um, kind of nearly eats Frodo in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> isn't that a Sharon?
1: Yes, I believe it is. No, no, no. Um,
0: you're,
2: you're thinking of the guy with the big eye who lives on top of the tower. That's, that's Sharon. <laughs> I
1: thought that was Karen.
0: Always thinks he knows K- best. That's Karan.
1: <laughs> so, did you say the stronger the Sharons are, the more spinning they can do? <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, I'll say it's the good other trick. way around. The
0: more spinning you do, <laughs> the stronger Sharon you become. And by wow. spinning, I mean, uh, you know, on a bike. <laughs> 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 I'm imagining these Sharons in a spinning class. With, like, a Sharon instructor. I was like, come on, guys! (laughs) The stronger the Sharon, the faster they spin. One mile to go. One mile to go. Um, Sharon had shorter lifespans than most sentient species in the known galaxy, growing rapidly in the first half-dozen standard years of their lives. Considered younglings until they were four years old, Sharon became adults at six. When they reached 34 they were regarded as middle-aged that doesn't what, a, <laughs> what? <laughs> that doesn't <hide> add <laughs> up <out. laughs> so,
2: what a weird thing for them to jump to they're like, talking yeah. about like um being a child and adolescence and then nah middle-aged <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, is, is that is that because all <laughs> sharons are 34 and middle-aged
0: The <laughs> 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 they spin class so their new home system was close to a black hole, which threatened to drag their home world into its gravitational clutches. Um, due to its proximity to a black hole, the, the new planet was cold and dark and barely habitable. In the face of imminent destruction, a death-worshipping religion arose. This is interesting. So this is kind of combining the cult okay, thing, now, okay? Called the Sharon Death Cult or the Cult of Death. <laughs> <laughs> very original oh that's name. too good straight that's to the too point too good exactly what it says on the tin hell the that Sharon death as cold. all life must eventually return to the void of death it was the holy duty of the Sharon to speed all life towards it, this end
1: <laughs> by going into Starbucks, not wearing masks
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah when they want to speak to the manager they just want to induct him into the death cold <laughs> All life, including the Sharons themselves, was viewed as blasphemy. So they worshipped death. Mm. The concept of death itself. And therefore living was blasphemy. That's, that's cool. That's interesting.
1: Should we, uh, should we do recommendations? Then?
0: Recommendations, yes. Uh, cool. Who would like to go first? I'll go, Sure. Sure.
2: Um, let me consult my notes. Um, oh because last week uh, during our Wikipedia section, I mentioned I was reading the new Star Wars novel, Light of the Jedi. Light, oh, light yes. <clears throat> excuse me, Light of the Jedi. Uh, so I thought I'd give that give that a little little rundown of, of of the deal there. Oh yeah. Um, um. Yeah. So this is this is part of a new a new kind of publishing venture by Lucasfilm uh mm-hmm. or yeah Luke's film um set in the high republic so it's kind of like at at the peak of the republic at the peak of the jedi order uh set a couple hundred years before the films uh the sith are in hiding there hasn't been war for ages um there's still a lot of unexplored territory out in the galaxy and the jedi kind of have to do some like frontier justice kind of deal um which uh which is a really, really cool idea for a setting. I really, really like that. Um, And first of all, because I listened to the audiobook, and the production quality was insane. They must have poured more money into this audiobook than any other audiobook ever, uh, because they had, like, an actual voice actor doing it rather (laughs) than just a random famous person or a random actor. Uh, So rather than just doing, like, oh, a high voice for this character and a low voice for this character... The different characters when they spoke basically transformed into different people because this was a professional, A-list voice actor, mm-hmm. uh, really giving his all. So that was that was amazing, and uh, they had full sound effects and a full musical score to it. So it was like watching a movie, but I was reading a book, mm-hmm. which is really impressive. I really like that, um, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure if I'm really recommending this. Is the issue? Mm. Um, even though this is in the recommendations. Um, because the issue with showing the Jedi at their peak um, during a time of peace and when the Sith are in hiding is that nobody's a threat. Mm. And they they introduce these new villains. And and if these new villains come in and are genuinely uh, a big issue for the Republic and the Jedi to deal with, then that kind of undermines the entire point of the setting. Mm. Um which means that the, the baddies are just kind of pushovers.
0: Um, so it's not interesting, and it's just... Yeah.
2: Not really, which is a shame, because it starts off so strong, and they introduce the baddies, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool, I like the deal with these guys, they're kind of like space Vikings. And then Ooh. they just get their ass kicked at every stage, uh,
0: and, <laughs> and, and all these, their plans fall apart. These villains, are these the only villains in the book? Uh, yes. Because it sounds I, like... I'm trying from- try to spoil, but... It sounds like, from what you're saying, this kind of dynamic between really stable Jedi versus these pushover villains is more of a, like a crime TV show, where like NCIS or something, where it's just like each episode—you <laughs> Yo. know—I <laughs> mean, each episode is like a different like person they're investigating or whatever, but they always win or whatever. Kind of, they always get their way. Okay, but, that, that sounds good.
2: I, I'd watch that. That sounds mm-hmm. more interesting than this. Yeah, because that
0: way uh, you, you can still get the pushover villains and you can still have the stability of um, the Jedi um, mm-hmm. without needing um, the um, crazy plot and, uh, of a movie or, or, or a whole book. It's just like smaller, mm-hmm. smaller stories. Yeah, that would be really good. Um, but another issue it has
2: is that there's so many main characters. So mm-hmm. it, it progresses the plot a little bit and then jumps to a completely different character on the other side of the galaxy and progresses their plot a little bit and then jumps to another person, then jumps to another person, then jumps to another person. So there was one, there was one little action scene that took about a third of the book because it had to jump between all of the characters before it progressed the scene again.
1: And then all uh, of the
2: characters and then so the pace was kind of plodding and that combined with the uninteresting villains um, yeah that kind of kind of ruined it for me uh, is this but, like
1: gonna be part of a series
2: yeah so that's that's the thing on, on the flip side of this negativity is that there's there's gonna be loads of these and uh, there's, there's loads of other comic books out already um, and and the next novel comes out in about a month oh because so it's- Yeah, so the sequel written by someone else. Um, And I will say, without spoiling, that there was a kind of a paradigm shift. uh, The status quo changed towards the end. And the ending of the book was very exciting. I got really into it. Um, It was kind of, at the end, what I wished it had been for the whole rest of the book. And it ended on a way that got me really hyped up to see more of this and see more of the setting and see where it went. Um, And I'm excited that there is another novel coming out Following on, written by a different person, mm-hmm. because I think the setting's really cool and the ideas are really cool. Um, and while I didn't enjoy this book too much, it really did sell me
0: on the concept as a whole. And I'm excited to read more. Mm, fair play. Fair play. All right. My recommendation this week is sh- uh, not much to explain here. It's a, a podcast like I own called Bud Pod. Which <laughs> yes about before. Ah yes. Um Bud Pod, uh hosted by two comedians, Phil Wang and Pierre Novelli. And they're two friends from uni and they have this podcast and they just kinda talk funny stories. Uh they talk a lot of rubbish. Uh, much like we do. And it's really funny. And it's a really fun, funny podcast, and I would recommend it. Um, not only because it's it's not that topical, so like you can go back to when it started, like over a year ago now, and it doesn't feel like dated or set back then mm-hmm. because most of it is just kind of funny stories and stuff. And yeah, uh, that's Bud Pod. Uh, check it out. If if, if nice. I uh, really like Phil Bang, yeah. If you're interested, I haven't seen much I of stuff,
2: but I watched the season of Taskmaster that he's on.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's he's really but, really. But there's funny a on couple that. episodes where he talks about his experience on Taskmaster. Oh really? Oh. Yeah, so it's uh yeah good stuff. Bud Pod. I'm gonna have to go um, listen yeah. to those wherever Bad you pod. get your podcasts.
1: Fergus. Okay, so um yeah my recommendation for this week um is the first hour and a half of a film
0: I watched <laughs> <Thanos>. on
1: uh <laughs> Nuff. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ignored, blocked um. Now, uh, the first hour and a half of a film I watched on the Criterion channel, which I very oh, uh. luckily got a three-month subscription to for Christmas. Um, and it's uh, I'm going to be very careful how I describe this film because it is um, considered by many to be a masterpiece of um, of Russian cinema. Um, so I don't want to talk too much heavy shit on the parts of it I didn't like. Um So that's why I'm going to exclusively talk about the first hour and a half. Um, It's called Stalker by uh, Andrey Tarkovsky. Um, It's a kind of sci-fi film uh, from, I think, 1979? Correct, yeah. Um, Yes, uh, Soviet Union. uh, And it's just, the first hour and a half is just like, perfect exercise in um building like an atmosphere it's really slow it's got like um like a really methodical pace to it the shots last like on average up to like four minutes or something um and it just it's about this guy who lives outside of this kind of like uh Zone. It's called this mysterious zone that really gave me like some kind of Chernobyl vibes. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is interesting because it came out several years before the Chernobyl disaster.
0: Oh, yeah. right. Okay.
1: Chernobyls um, 85 three, eighty five, six. I'm I'm not sure, um, but it came out before then, which is really interesting because eighty six. Yes, it is. Um, like about. Uh, this meteor crash lands in this zone and like completely changes it and it's really mysterious like how it's changed and like no one's allowed to go in there. There's like government barricades and stuff and this guy, uh, this main character is what they call a stalker Uh, and he's someone who smuggles people into the zone Um, and the first hour and a half of him smuggling these two clients into the zone and then the first maybe like half an hour in the zone itself are just so good at like telling you something's not right here something weird is going on mm-hmm. in this zone um and it does like that kind of wizard of oz thing where like it's like in kind of like monochrome brown for like the first like 45 minutes and then mm-hmm. when they get into the zone it's in full color and it's like i don't know just just the way the atmosphere is built is so good the way like the little like little trickle of lore about like what's going on like oh uh, a meteorite landed in this zone oh there's like some alien shit going on it's Mm -hmm. so good um it's really like slow but like deliberately paced um kind of really creepy uh and yeah um it kind of like trails off about halfway through unfortunately for me because it is an art film it's not just a sci-fi film it's like an art film so it gets yeah. like there's like a big long sequence in the middle where I started to drift off where they're just all kind of like lying by a lake talking about like poems and shit mm. I was like mm. oh, this this no oh, this was so good it was so creepy do you, so know creepy.
0: Any, do you know anything about how it became popular because it says it gained a cult following but like this is still during the Soviet Union, so when it was released, I imagine uh, no one in the West watched it for a long time. I
1: really don't know much about the film at all, other than that um, it's beloved by a lot of people in like film study circles. Um, hmm.
0: Maybe it's one of those that was kind of hidden away until the fall of the Soviet Union, and it kind of came out of
1: came out of that. I- Potentially, yeah. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, well, but, yeah. I feel like we, we need
2: to look into that because that, that could be really interesting. How it, how it eked into the. For me, world. what was so
1: interesting about it was the fact that because I thought for sure it came out after Chernobyl, after the Chernobyl disaster, because it's uncanny, like the depiction of the zone and like the kind of like hush hush nature of it and stuff. But the fact that it came out before it's kind of creepy to me and mm-hmm. adds to that mm-hmm. mystique. Is um, this related
2: to the Stalker video games?
1: That was inspired by it, I believe, yeah. Right. Um, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. Um,
2: I've never played them, but um, it seems to be post-apocalyptic or at least like nuclear wasteland style uh Soviet Russia
0: vibes. Um yeah. which, which
2: is what you're describing.
0: Um bring up in terms of um how the the government at the time controlled art or wanted art to go in a particular direction? How this film um, takes that into account or didn't? Because this there is still like, late 70s, so I think they eased up on that a bit from the early Stalin days.
1: In terms of yeah, there are, of there are like long monologues in it from like the cause like. There's three kind of main characters. There's the stalker himself. Uh, and just the way they build up that as well. Cause when you hear the title Stalker, it sounds kind of like a horror film. Um, and, and I don't know, just like the first half an hour, like him meeting with his clients, and one of his clients is there with like some uh, some lady and she's just like, Oh, are you one of them? One of what? It's like, Are you a stalker? And it's like, Oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. And just the way it builds up like the the kind of like internal mythology of it is so cool and well done and like deliberately slow. Um the, I don't know. I was just a bit bummed out that it kind of went a bit too abstract with it by the end, you know? Um, right. And
2: um, I'm seeing here that it's two hours
1: and 43 minutes long. It's long. It's fucking long. So,
2: because um, yeah, at first, when you said first hour and a half was really good, but then it goes a bit weird. I was thinking, oh, okay, the last 20 minutes or half an hour or so aren't great. Yeah, no. So the it, whole hour and a half after that.
1: It lasts, yeah. It, it, But that's just, like, um, a nature of its pacing, I think. Mm. Um, Some crazy detail about, like... Let me me find the exact number. Um, About the number of shots in the film. So, it's two hours and 40-something minutes. 161 minutes. Um... 100, yeah 163 minutes there's 142 shots in the film so like wow. compare that to like modern Nothing. editing like I'm just thinking of the scene from like taken three where there's like 12 cuts when Liam Neeson climbs a fence <laughs> in like 12 <laughs> seconds it's, it's crazy um but yeah I would recommend just for that first hour and a half that sense of atmosphere um, this
2: whole, plot's whole, really... Oh, sorry, okay, okay. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, this plot, it's really reminding me of um, Annihilation, the yeah. Alex, Alex Garland movie from a couple of years ago, where that, like the, that's the exact setup of there's been a meteor, there's this weird closed-off zone, you've got to go inside, who knows what's going on inside it. So,
1: Yeah, it, I believe that was inspired. Uh, I, I think Annihilation was based on a story as well, which I think was Yeah, Annihilation inspired.
2: was adapted from a book...
1: Yeah. Um, believe the book was inspired... Because this was also based on a book, um, but the book was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know, just... Uh, the, like, the way it's cut together, when they first go into the zone, you start getting the sense that, like, some really creepy, weird shit's going to happen. Um, like, I don't know. It really um, captures that sense of, like you don't really know what's going on. Um, You don't know what to believe. Um, Stuff starts like looping on itself and like, oh, like they hear a character say like, oh, stop at one point. And then one of them turns around, it's like, why do you tell him to stop? And it's like, I didn't say that. Why did you tell him to stop? It's like, I didn't say it either. It's like, did he say it himself? What's going on? What to believe? What's the truth? What's the lie? Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch this,
2: um, at least the first hour and a half. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's a commitment, because it is almost three hours long. Yeah. I'd recommend.
2: Nice. You Check it out. All right, I'm going to check that out. Uh,
1: that's cool. well, all well, I, I have to say about I, that. Yeah.
0: yeah. He's got a lot of films. But
1: oh, he's I, prolific, yeah. Uh, Tarkovsky, like one of the masters. Apparently. (laughs)
0: Um, Cool. I think that brings us to the end of episode four. Sounds about right. Thank you for joining us. Um, Don't forget to like, follow, and
1: subscribe.
0: Tell your pals, if anyone wants to become fellow Shwaistian, to come along. Um, To stalk
1: these wastelands with us. (laughs) Yes. Um, Shwaistelands. That's um, what I meant to say. That was the whole purpose of me saying that <laughs> sentence. The <laughs> <laughs> choice lands inside the zone. Inside the zone. And um, do
0: we think we we answered the question? Mm, mm,
2: I think we 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 were onto something with uh, identifying a Star Wars character for every real life person on the planet that might be that might be our calling Mm -hmm. Um, but we we definitely haven't covered that in this episode Mm -hmm. so yeah might have to
0: might have to come back
1: I feel like
0: I feel like we'll have to
1: carry on for episode 5 yeah we'll just have to to try again next week yeah figure out cool why are we still here
0: All right. yeah Uh, Listeners, uh, catch us next week for episode five. Send in your shwasty stories so that we can read out. Um, And yeah, see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Till next week.